0: So we are Moffat Moffat, as you can tell, and uh, we consist of myself, Andrew Moffat, and Mark Moffat. That's me. And uh, together we're the founders, we're the creators, we're the designers, and we're We're the the receptionists at Moffat Moffat. We're the dishwashers, the dish places, the garbage cleaner, the account service, and basically I think you can get the idea, and the, the graphic says this, that we do it all at the moment in our small studio. So up on the screen here, we've got a little bit of work, some sampling of work, but you'll probably go to our website and see a lot more than what we're going to show you today in terms of our work. But what you can see on that is really how we describe ourselves. And we describe ourselves as people or creative directors. And we're creative directors because people come to us with challenges, and we solve those challenges creatively. We work across a whole uh, variety of media. So we call ourselves quite media neutral. And we work for clients that are big, that are small, that are local, that are global. Not so much anyone who just comes in the door, but you get the idea. Um, so today we're not really going to be, as I mentioned, talking about our work. You can check out our website if you want to see our work. We're probably going to be talking about our favourite subject, ourselves. Yeah. Today is all about us. So we were thinking about what the topic could be for this talk and um, funnily enough, one day on Australian Front we came across a posting. And and actually, it was one day before Apple invited us to speak. And the posting was all about Moffat Moffat. So the perfect was timing. Uh, The the timing was perfect, not the perfect was timing. And it was exactly what we needed to form a topic for tonight. So we just want to share this posting with you. It was by Clinton Duncan, who's a fairly reputable designer in Sydney. And we thought we'd just uh, give you a bit of audio so you can understand what the posting is all about. So let's just have a quick listen to what it was all about. Moffat Moffat have updated with a new website, but surprisingly, this new version has less information and folio samples, go figure. What it does have, however, is a lot more images of the moffets themselves. It's rather confronting, to be honest, to see so much of the designers themselves represented on a website. We designers are generally heard but not seen. It's a risky, ballsy approach from the boys to cultivate a brand purely about themselves. Is it working? So far, so good, i say. So that's a pretty interesting thing to have written about yourself. And the first thing was, how are we going to respond to this? And how did we respond to this? And I'd have to say, honestly, our response is this is the best thing that's ever been written about us. <laughs> and the reason why it's the best thing that's ever been written about us is because of what it actually said. It said we were confronting, it said we were ballsy, and it said we were risky. And they were all the things that we were aspiring to be in our new business. It was actually a total affirmation of what we were trying to do. And what we were trying to do was define ourselves having our own identity and being visible in the work that we do, which made us visible in the public domain. So, as you can see, Andrew and I believe in being visible, but being visible not only in our work, but in our ideas, our philosophy, and our opinions. After all, as you can see, the name of our business is Moffat Moffat. This is our front window. And if we don't believe in what we do, how we do it, and why we do it, then there's no real point turning up to work every day. And that's for anyone in any industry, anywhere. So visibility is a really challenging topic Um, especially for designers or creatives in Australia. And Clinton said it uh, in his post, you know, don't stand out too much, stand behind your work. Um, I'm really referencing tall poppy syndrome here that we're all very familiar with being Australians. So, again, as creatives, we're told to be invisible. But to us, that's the last thing we really want to be. And I suppose this is an image that we're all probably guilty of and we see plastered all over the internet every day and it's someone doing this, hiding themselves. That's Andrew, by the way, so that's us, we've done it. And so when Andrew and I started Moffat Moffat, it sounds funny to say that because it's only two of us, but when we started Moffat Moffat, we were always thinking about, instead of standing behind our work, we thought not only us, but Australian creatives should start standing alongside it. And visibility is a really interesting issue, and it, it's kind of, you have to question what is visibility. Is visibility just about a photograph of yourself? Or is visibility about winning lots of awards, you know, being recognized by your peers? Is visibility about being really loud or getting noticed? Is it about who reads your blog? Or is it about how many friends you have on Facebook or how many people follow you on Twitter? And you know, for us, Mark and I, we believe being visible is about taking pride in what you do and who you are and really, most importantly, what you stand for. If you think about what we do every day, it's pretty regularly misunderstood. I feel like a lot of creatives feel that way. Um, for example, part of our expertise is graphic design, but that's only a small fraction of what we do every day or what we offer clients. For most of the day, we're thinking. You know, we're talking a lot, we're talking to clients, we're talking to each other. We're also working strategically, thinking about the future and we're also doing a lot of directing as well. So in a similar way, our work is really only just a small part of who we are. Clients come to us because of our reputation. They come to us because of our personality. They come to us because of our experience, and they also come to us for our opinions. So while Moffat Moffat doesn't have a, its own aesthetic or a house style, you know, our work is really as much about us as it is about our point of view, our clients and the products and services that they're trying to expose through us or communicate. Or communicate, communicate's a better word. So it it makes you think, if we aren't visible in our work, then we're taking away one of the main reasons why someone would want to come and work with us. And that just doesn't make sense to us. So we think you need to be visible. It's the same reason why everyone wants to work with these guys. There's probably some familiar faces up there. They don't really blend in. They have a voice, and they are highly visible in what they do and how they do it. They definitely have a point of view, a real philosophy, and that's what people really hold on to, and that's what people want to belong to at the end of the day. Everything they do has their signature attached to it, especially even product designers, Mark Newson, Alessi. And if you go to the next slide, you can see that some people are in it, I mean, Stefan Sagmeister, anyone ever heard of him? I wonder why. So uh, I suppose the big, it is, why shouldn't we be visible? This was the other thing when we saw the post, it was like, oh God, this is a big deal, especially in Sydney, Australia. Um, And I suppose the question for us, and why we're talking to you is, why shouldn't we be more visible? We should be standing alongside our work, and so on. And so we've broken it down into four main thoughts, and we'll discuss these four points. The first is about your past, which, as the quote says, is really about where you've been and what you care to take with you is the future. Second is about what you stand for, and what you'll stand for is really a derivative of your values and your beliefs. We'll go into that. Your visibility, which is the core of this whole presentation, which is really about the way the world perceives you and how you can or you can't control that. And finally, we're talking about the future and our future, um, about how we're going to evolve and grow our personal and creative identity. So with these four stages or four components in mind, we're going to take you through the journey of how they impacted us or represented us on our creative identity. So as Mark was saying, the first component that we want to look at is your past. And to know where you're going, it's really good to know where you've been. But as the quote says, it can be really healthy not to look back too much or throw away a couple of things on the way. So we just want to give you a real small look at where we've been and some of the things that we've thrown away along the way. So we were born on May 10 in 1979. My our mum liked to put us in washing baskets. I don't know if anyone else suffered that, but that's what happened. And as you can see, we're identical twins, which means that we both share the same DNA. That, that's kind of freaky sometimes, because when you think about it, we're actually clones of each other, 100% clones. And we're always really classified as the one person, the one personality, the one um, opinion, and the one identity. We we're never really referred to as Andrew or Mark. We we're always referred to as, you know, the Moths or the Muffins. We got that a that lot. That was a popular one. And then our, our favourite one was the Muppets. So, so if anyone, yeah, I swear you're all going to post about the mu- Muppets yeah, now. The Muppets. So, yep, I there. can see it all coming. And we grew up in the southern suburbs um, where it's more affectionately known as the Shire. So, I don't all know. Or go, God's country. God's country. If anyone's representing tonight, peace, kick down with it. Um, and we went to high school in the inner west and then we went to university at the College of Fine Arts, which is up in Paddington. And uh, now we're happy in our own space working together for the first time officially. So, Growing up in these kind of contrasting worlds, we're always considered a bit of an anomaly. So, When we're home in the shire, we're called poofs and homos. Mainly because of our love for fashion, design, art, culture. And then when we travelled to school, university, or work in the city, people will call us southerners and yobos because we drove an old beat up Kingswood, happened to play a little bit of rugby, and didn't mind a beer or two. And we spoke with a slightly ochre accent like I do right now. <laughs> do I? I'm not sure. By the way, driving a Kingswood now, I reckon would be totally cool. <laughs> so I wish I had my old Kingswood, but we don't anymore. Yeah. Um, So, in the end, we didn't really listen to what they all said we were. Andrew and I were lucky enough to just listen to each other. And like the quote says, we didn't want to look back, and there were elements of how people perceived us that we wanted to throw away. At the end of the day, what we always say is we just became what we wanted to be, and we have that luxury of reflecting, as you can see in this image, upon each other and listening. So the second component, we've talked about our past a little bit, but the second component is really about what you stand for. And one of the most important parts of our identity is our values and the decisions we make based on those values. And kind of what we were saying before about visibility, we don't really think it's about an image or style. We think it's got a lot more to do with the values you have or the beliefs you have or, put simply, what you stand for. So we're going to share a couple of things that we stand for. Hopefully, you might find them interesting. The first thing we stand for is action, that's the number one thing we stand for at Moffat Moffat. And what we mean by that is we believe in taking ourselves to where we want to go. No one else is going to do it for us, we have to do it ourselves and I think a lot of people forget that fact. It's up to you to make things happen and that's what action's all about. We believe in working really hard and creating our own luck. Luck is a thing that isn't given to you, it's something that you have to earn and be in the right place at the right time to get it, it's something we believe in. And we have a bit of a quote that constantly reminds us of this. It was by an infamous street poet from Melbourne, and his name is Pi O, so the mathematical symbol Pio. Give him a Google if you can, he's pretty cool. Um, and his quote is, if you do nothing, nothing happens. And that's a really simple quote, but at the end of the day, it really speaks for itself and it really got us to where we are today. You know, holding on to a quote like this, it really changes the way you do things every day. And what I mean by that is. At Moffat Moffat, we never try and stand still, we try and keep moving. We always try new things. And most importantly, we're open to other experiences. And we think that's what action is all about. The next thing we want to share for what we stand for is authenticity. And what we mean by that is really based around authentic relationships. Um, We build real friendships, and we call them friendships with our clients. And what that allows us to do is talk to them on a really intimate level we can share our opinions and open up really true conversations. With friendship comes honesty, and with honesty comes trust and real bravery. What this allows Angela and I to do with our clients is provide the ingredients that make experiences that we create for them truly memorable, brave, and they have real integrity and groundbreaking. So we also believe in this favourite slide of mine, in being fearless. Um, A large part of being fearless is backing your own ideas and believing in your own ideas. And because Andrew and I always say in our studio, if we don't believe in our, the ideas we present to our clients, then how can they? You know, we've failed many, many times along the way. That's why we have the Hector Protector there, and we probably walk around the studio with one on all day. <laughs> but the quickest way to learn is often to fail. So better to have tried and failed and learned a very, very valuable lesson. Where this really takes us to is a phrase that we talk about called, intelligent rebellion. And between Andrew and I, we measure our risks and then act upon them. Some of the best ideas, and often the best ideas, are really, really dangerous to yourself and other people. But high risk for us always tends to deliver high reward. So that's a little bit of insight. And finally, one thing we really believe in or stand for is curiosity. And what we mean by that is we think that you need to uncover what's around you so you can understand how to change it. And that's just a simple way of saying, learning the rules and then breaking them, understanding something so you can change it. The thing about curiosity, it really leads you to new opportunities and opportunities inevitably lead you to creativity. So it's a great thing to be curious. We have another saying, we should write a book. Oh, pretty, we're going to have this, the Moffat Moffat <laughs> saying book. And what we say is, we usually say this to Best a lot seller. of the young guys who come in the door, we say to be interesting, get interested. And what we mean by that is if you show interest, then people will be interested in you. And a good example of that is a project that we put together. One of the projects that we're quite known for, and that is Demo Magazine. We wanted to get involved in the music industry. We had no previous clients in the music industry, and we hadn't had any experience. So we thought, why don't we create a a magazine all about music? And we immersed ourselves in that industry and that culture, made a lot of friendships, connected with a lot of people, and then within six months we had three music clients and we paid for our investment three times over, all coming from this curious idea of how can we get into the music industry. It's a really simple formula, but we believe it really works. So this is the, the part of the phrase that really what the presentation about, is about being visible. And it's a bold move to be visible because to be visible is really to be judged. And that's what's happening on websites about us when we put too many images, or not enough images, on our website about ourselves. So if you're invisible, the outside world, as the phrase says, is continually trying to enforce an image on you of what it thinks you are. Next slide. Next slide. (laughs) He's got the clicker tonight. So it's impossible to have an absolute control about people's perception, which is really what we're talking about, how people perceive you. The world is a really subjective place, and that's a really good thing, we think. Everyone has a right to an opinion of you and your work. Uh, Whether rightly or wrongly, everyone can have a perceived people, brands, art, culture, in different lights. I suppose these are some of the examples of how we see people in different lights. Tosser or a really, really hard worker who's managed to go out and buy himself a Porsche. Guilty or innocent. Superstar, psycho. Psycho, psycho. <laughs> That's Andrew's favourite slide. <laughs> yeah. Hero or villain? And most importantly, I suppose it comes back to are we passionate or are we just a bunch of shameless promoters? And to be honest, we'll leave that up to you to decide. If you believe in yourself, and this gets a little bit, little bit cuddly and warm, but if you believe in yourself and are true to your values, what you stand for, and, uh, sorry, your values and what you stand for, then you should feel comfortable comfortable about your own identity and the perception people have of it. We don't mind being called either of these things because they're polarising. The last thing that we want to be is the insignificant little line in between those ideas. Now, being in the middle is okay, but okay is definitely forgettable. And unfortunately, forgettable means that you don't really tend to stand for anything. What we were saying before is being forgettable is the closest thing you can possibly be to being invisible, and that's the last thing we want to be at Moffat Moffat. We want to be visible. Now, the thing about um, being loved or hated is that you can polarise people, and that means you can't be all things to all people, so don't try to be all things to all people. If you polarise people, then you'll find that the people who align with you will gravitate towards you and want to work with you. The people you don't align with, they'll just simply leave you alone, and they'll just let you get on with what you want to do. You don't want to work with them anyway. It's a simple way of cutting through all the BS that a lot of studios actually go through in terms of defining who they are through their clients. But if you cut through all the BS, you make it clear to people who you are, what you stand for, and what you want to do with your career. So the last point is, as it says, about your future. And we see our future as an evolution, not a revolution. where we want to go through the act of changing, but staying true to who we are. For us, evolving is an improvement process, where revolution is a corrective process. We're never going to stay the same, and I think this is a really fantastic example of that, but we'll always stay true to who we are and what we stand for. Same with a Porsche from 1979. It's, It's earlier than that, isn't it? 1979 to 2011. I think that's a bit long. There might be some body part changes through technology and whatnot. So Andrew might get a facelift in a couple of years, but he'll still be his true spirit. And that's what we see in a company or a brand like Porsche. They will change and evolve, but they'll always connect their spirit. So yes, we believe in being visible, and we believe in being visible for all the right reasons. And we believe in being visible to give yourself a voice. We believe in being visible to... um, Take pride in what you do and be understood for what you do. To be heard and understood is a really important thing. And if all that works, then you'll attract the right clients and the right relationships and you get the results you were looking for. And just finally, um, we're not completely done yet. Um, To finish up, we just wanted to share three thoughts with everyone, just to make you think a little bit more once you leave this presentation. And the first is all about criticism, we think criticism is critical. Constructive criticism is what keeps you and your work evolving every day. It's great to share opinions, so be open to to views on how things can be better, how you can make your work better. I know as creatives, we sometimes can't handle much criticism, but trust Mark and I, it's a really great thing. Some of our greatest achievements have come from clients really challenging us and pushing us to do more. Um, The next part we want to talk about is, or point, is that we don't believe anymore that knowledge is power. Um, With the internet, the internet, um, knowledge has somewhat become democratised. You know, for anyone, anywhere, at any time, which is a great thing, they can find with the click of a button just about how to do just about anything. They can find out how to cook the perfect steak. (laughs) They can gain knowledge on how to jumpstart your dreams. Thanks, Oprah. One thing that could be good for Andrew is how to be popular. Maybe I'm already popular, I don't, know. I don't know. Maybe you should read it. <laughs> and um, the last point is, I can learn how to make an atomic bomb. So what am I really saying here is, as you can see, that knowledge is no longer a powerful commodity. Power today is how you interpret all this information and digest this information to form your own ideas and your own unique opinions. It's like found. So really what we're saying is creativity is power. And that's not really a new subject or a new idea. You probably already realise that. But it's something to actually think about when we're out in the world that's got a lot of grey noise around us. In the future, people will no longer ask you how to do something. As we've proved, they can go and find out how to do something themselves. You'll truly be valued on how you solve challenges with your creativity. That's why we, as I said in the opening stage, we solve problems with creativity, not with information. And our final point is really all about what you leave behind. What is your legacy? And really it's your responsibility to leave behind something that has meaning and true purpose. And Mark and I always really believe that you'll know, you get higher personal and professional satisfaction you know, if you uh, form ideas that really matter or mean something or change something. Not superfluous things that look great or make you look cool. That's something we really believe in. And hopefully that presentation was memorable and it mattered. So thanks a lot for hearing his talk, and I guess we're going to do a bit of Q&A. My name's Philip. Hey, Philip. How are you doing? You guys went to Kofa. When did you guys make the switch into graphic design, visual communication? And when you first started out, did you work for someone else and kind of decide you wanted to go on your own or...? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, so the first part of that was we went to Kofa, and when did we decide we wanted to do visual communication? Well, I suppose it was quite early on, but I will say one thing about the College of Fine Arts. It was great to go there and study Bachelor of Design, which opens us up to many different disciplines within design. I never intended on going there and being an architect or an interior designer, but I will say, um, just like Apple does, it's all the exterior disciplines that influence any creative experience. And they really reflected on... Our work um, and how we think about our work in, in many different dimensions rather than one, so when we decide to just be purely visual communicators i don 't think we have decided to do that yet. Uh, I think this is one part of our life and our, that will go on to another. I might be a furniture designer one day in fact i 'd love to be but um, in through our work and the jobs that we do, I suppose what we 're talking about in terms of brand this is probably a good question is that we believe in a set of I'm going to tread around the word of values or what we stand for, which we think we can interpret through any medium. I think, I think what Mark's talking about as well is like, we get this question all the time, or do you guys work in digital or print or what do you do? Well, like Mark said before, we're media neutral. We just solve problems creatively. And what we do believe in is forming partnerships with other businesses who specialise in distinct areas. And we can either direct them or work with them. And that's the way we kind of... Get through this whole media neutral platform. I and mean, clients come to us and say, Oh, should I be doing print or digital? Our answer is you should be doing both. And I think as a creative person, you should just be thinking about being creative and how that applies to those different medias rather than thinking, I've got to be a jack of all trades, I've got to have my finger in Or at a everything. master of one. Yeah. yeah. So, does that answer your question? Um, good evening. My name is Maddie. Um, I just recently graduated from Design College. And um, in terms of new graduates looking for, to make themselves stand out, you know, through visibility. How would you? Do you feel that your um, brand values that you were talking about, in terms of, <clears throat> um, you know, you know, you're, you know, showing pride and everything? Do you feel that's how could um, a new graduate apply those to the mo- themselves personally? So making themselves, you know, not just appear as another graduate. that Yeah, gets you I stand mean, out. yeah, I, I believe in standing out. I believe it's a great thing. Like. I'm looking at someone right now who stood out to me. He's going to get all embarrassed, but he just did an internship with us for two weeks, and his name is is Josh. And I was in general pants buying um, a pair of thongs for a nephew or something like that, and he said, hey, you're that guy from Moffat Moffat. Can I come and do some work experience with you or do an internship with you? And, you know, that comes back to that whole principle of action. He just said, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go for it. He didn't have a wild placard or paint himself pain or anything like that, but he just said, I'm going to have a go, I'm going to have a crack. And I guess that's what I would say to anyone coming out of university. Don't be afraid to say something or do something. Like Mark said, we've, we've asked the dumbest questions before. We've failed many times. But that only got us to where we are because we learned from those mistakes. I think, um, you know, yeah, sorry, go. So the ballsier the better? What's that? The ballsier the better? Yeah, like, well, oh, okay. Very often... Yes, we often look everything within reason, of course. Um, You know, some of the emails that we get when we look for interns, we post, uh, we advertise or advertise in terms of posts on our website for interns, and some of the responses we get is definitely lying within the love or hate. And almost what people we hate are some of the people we really want to see as well. Because not so much we hate them because they're, and be honest, we don't hate them. But not because their work's bad, it's because they say something completely outlandish in their email. So, yeah, one, one girl said, um, take my portfolio, I'm ramming it into your inbox, it's too many gigs, I don't care and all this kind of love stuff. Love it if you dare and open yeah. it and die trying and all this Yeah, kind of stuff. Was, and I was and, like, who is this chick? And We've got to get her in. We just said, we have to get this girl in, she'll be fantastic. So yeah. look, there's no definitive answer and especially... It's so hard, like we've been there when it comes down to things like portfolio and trying to get your first job and whatnot. There is no guidebook to it. It is looking for those points of difference, but not letting that overrun your talent or your work. I I think also it's just a simple matter of taste, like there's taste levels. Like We don't want people being ridiculous, but at the same time, we've got, in our inbox, we've got 150 portfolios that we're going to look at this weekend. Well, this is how quickly I go through it. Click, 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 click. That's how I go through one portfolio. So if something gets your attention, that's a good thing. I think that answered your question, did it? Hey, I'm Tanya. Hey, um, Tanya. You started your presentation by talking about how you sort of manage everything and you're the boss and you're also the cleaner and all of that sort of thing how do you guys feel about expansion it probably relates to the idea of internship as well do you find yourself that or do you find any limitations with where you stand at the moment or um, do you think there are perhaps limitations if you decide to expand I, later I don't I, there's challenges there's definitely challenges because Andrew and I have both worked in small and extremely large studios and looked after no one and looked after a lot of people so a lot of people often ask this because there's definitely is, there's usually a, a line drawn in the sound about, oh, big studios or oh, small studios. And I think it's actually very much like the slide I put up about Porsche, is that I don't think how big or small you are really does have an impact. I think it's if you tra- stay true to that spirit, that ethic, um, I think that is really what matters, not how big or small you are and those gripes in between. I, th- I think um, it's a really interesting question because it's going to be a huge challenge for us. I mean, even culturally, having someone else in the room with us is a big step. And then, you know, you've got to pay for their salary and all those kinds of things. But we're very excited about that. We're excited about having more people come and join our business. And uh, one thing that Mark and I have always said is we, we, th- we think really big. We want to be working in Asia. We'd love to open off- an office in Asia. And we always say to people is that no, we still might be a two man team in five years' time, but I will never discount actually being a 50 person team or a 100 person team in five years' time. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. As Mark said, as long as we keep, try and keep that spirit alive within the business, then I think we're okay. What's the one band you guys would love to do work for? One, one brand. brand. One band. Oh, one a band. Band. A band. Oh, Guns N' Roses, who else? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is a big that's question. That's a big question. I don't know. That's even tougher than my values. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think the interesting thing is, like, if I can talk about our music magazine demo, is that we're not music aficionados. That's one thing we don't really claim to be. We're creators. We try and channel the voice of artists through ourselves, through our visual communication, some of our ideas. I mean, yeah. I, I think, mean, I love ACDC. <laughs> that might prove how bad, much bad taste I have. But I mean, I, think, I think what... I can't, we can 't definitively answer that, but what we can say is we love working with bands or artists who want to collaborate, that so they have a point of view and they want to be involved in what we 're doing, uh, and they contribute to what we 're doing, because as Andrew said, if we talk about demo, the hardest thing about demo is it 's all about new music and new artists. And when artists are new, they 're at their most vulnerable, or they're at their most vulnerable, they 're at, at their most protective of their image of everything around them. So trust factors are really hard get in front of this pink background, stand on that box, can you do this for me? And that is so difficult. And it's a real learning process for all the artists we're with. So what I'm trying to say is that artists who want to go along with the, on the ride with us and contribute almost to even a halfway level is really fantastic. And we'd love to find an artist, no matter how big or how small, that would love to do that with us. So if you know anyone, let us know. Yeah. yeah. Um, So I was on the website maybe about two months ago and you actually had a full-length video that's beyond the teaser that you've currently got on your website. What inspired that? Because that was quite interesting. Oh, the all cycling around? The basin, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should have talked about this from the start because that's a perfect example of kind of shaking up the space, being a bit risky and being a bit ballsy. Like I said before, people kind of think that we only do print or a little bit of digital and a bit of website, so we thought, why don't we create a full motion film about us coming together for the first time. And mainly why, the reason why we did it is because we wanted people to love or hate it. We yeah. know a lot of people would be like, what are these kids doing? Like This f- balls going around and a stupid thing, what's that about? But we knew the people who would potentially want to work with would say, oh, that's cool. That's, that's interesting. interesting. Don't say cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <not> cool. Sorry. <laughs> um, but that, you know, they might want to be involved with something that's done slightly different way. A bit more like. abstract, a bit more something. You know, at the end of the day, I think that actual clip was had everything to do with like demo did. We sat down and we go, oh, maybe we should do some film clips. Well, we haven't we haven't done any film clips. Let's just do one about ourselves. And so, in the last few months, and since we've done that, we have offers to do film clips. So, that's an insight of why and how we did it, and we really enjoyed people off doing it. Yeah. Do you disagree on ideas, and if so, how do you? collaborate together all the time. This presentation is littered with ideas that I wanted to do, that he wanted to do. They meet in the middle, have a fight, and then we kind of work it out. So in summary, yes I win, win. he loses. (laughs) That's usually how it works. But it's true, we we disagree all the time and that's why one of the slides that Andrew brought up about um, constructive criticism. Our our I don't want to say talent or our business is built on that. When you're sitting in a small white room in the Shire In your parents' house, um, that you call a studio, and it's four in the morning, and you've got to be pinning up at university at nine o'clock the next day, and you turn to someone and you say, Man, what do you think of this? And that person goes, It's start again. You know, that is invaluable. Uh, No, no, sorry, I cut you off. We do that all the time. But uh, uh, following up on what Mark's saying, he's like, No. If you, someone can't tell you that and they can't be honest with you, you're just going to be hours behind, weeks behind, months behind. The thing is, like we fight all the time, passion, very passionately. It doesn't come to blows or anything like that, but we definitely discuss our ideas and we push each other to do better ideas. I think that's what definitely happens. But when we do argue, we actually do the time-out thing and we walk away and then we delegate the responsibility to someone. I trust you enough to make it happen. And that's how we get over that. That's how we solve arguments. But yeah, constructive prism is the best thing you can believe in, definitely. So I want to know what the process, if you guys arrive at an idea, like what is the normal process? Do you guys have a formula or like a ritual? No, I wish we had a formula because I'd sell it. (laughs) Um, No, there's definitely... That is, we we get asked that a lot. And that is, I think for any creative, the hardest thing to do because it is such a unique and individual process, an individual journey, um, how long's a piece of string kind of conversation. Um, what we do do is we come up with those ideas together. Um, we're kind of solitary beings until we get pushed together. And so we will definitely bring ideas to the table, but then we sit at a table and we work it out together. But in terms I, of how, if we have a distinct process, like we write, then we draw, then we do. So there's, there's no really distinct process. And I will be quite honest in saying for myself, most of it is about a Eureka moment. Ideas pop into our, our heads, you know, thought and considered ideas, but at no point do I feel like I sit there for weeks trying to work out an idea and then it happens. Right. It can happen 10 seconds in, 10 months in. Well, I will say one thing on that question, and it's something that we have talked about in other, in other presentations, and that is is the idea of unplugging. Mm. Mark and I when we have to think of a truly unique original idea, we decide to unplug. So we don't go image bookmarking and we don't try and listen to what anyone else says. I and mean, sometimes I lie on the floor and close my eyes. It sounds so gay. But anyway, it's like I get a book out, I get a pen and I close my eyes and I think internally it. what it is. Yeah, he sees me I think internally about the idea and try and get rid of all the noise around me. Because we firmly believe that if you keep looking to other people or other things, you'll just repeat what's already done. I'm not saying we're truly original every time, everything we do, but when you start to think internally rather than looking outwards, I think you come up with some brilliant stuff. We're talking about analog techniques. Yeah. You know, talking, drawing, walking. You know, I know that sounds a little bit ridiculous, but if we want to create something that is an amazing design or an amazing space, well then, we remove our, ourselves from design or from any amazing spaces because we don't want to be stimulated or overstimulated by those things around us. We turn inside. It's like people, and there's no problem with this, but people who buy a lot of designers who buy a lot of design books, well, we think the opposite. If I want to be inspired, I'm going to go buy a book about ballet, or I'm going to go see some theater, or like I said, I'm going to go for a walk in the park. It sounds a little bit fruity, but that's what we mean by unplugging. Thanks a lot for coming. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.